It's Hollis. Uh, thank you for joining me on the first episode of the Can We Get Much Higher podcast. Uh, if you have seen my YouTube channel before, have subscribed or, or know who I am, uh, I used to have uh, covers and other YouTube uh, videos on here, but I decided to take them down because what I really want to focus on is uh, I want to be doing the, a weekly podcast. I want to be doing music reviews slash rankings. Uh, some proper proper covers some good ones and here and there maybe just some other music related videos um but enough about that we'll stop boring you guys uh on to the podcast all right uh hello guys uh this is the uh first episode of the can we get much higher uh, interview slash podcast, the TSB Hollis Music Podcast. Uh, with me on my right, we have uh, Roby, who is one half and the founder of the Shoegaze Dream Pop IDM Glitch Hop Experimental Project Band Sweet Trip. How are you doing? I'm doing alright. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Uh, so, uh, obviously, I know a little bit about you, but uh, could you just tell us a little bit about you, what you do in Sweet Trip? Um, yeah, so I, um, I guess I, uh, write a lot of songs, play guitar, do bass, programming, production, mixing, pretty much everything that you hear in a sweet trip that's, yeah, yeah. that, that comes from, for me. Um, yeah, I've been doing it for over 20 years or so. Yeah. Uh, so it's a pleasure to have you, especially as the first, the debut episode um as this started off as i wanted to do it as a school project um because because uh, of because i'm in uh lockdown right now because uh, i'm in australia so um uh our teacher said uh it's gonna be boring what we're doing we're doing like baroque music stuff so instead we're gonna uh you can do something related to music something that you love uh, I originally chose, I'm going to listen to 101 albums and musically analyze them. And then I realized after like 10 albums in, I'm like, this is like 140,000 words. This is like PhD level. I'm not writing more. <laughs> so um, I changed to um, trying to find a musician to do uh, an interview with. And uh, I have one. And I've also asked a couple other people and they're kind of down to do it. So, uh, but it's great to have you on the first one. So uh, how have you been recently? Like, you uh, you been good? Um, I've been all right. You know, yeah. just hanging in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've also seen you do interviews with uh, Rate Your Music, Sony Mike, uh, KTSW 89.9, and a couple YouTube channels like uh, Oddball Frequency, which is one I watched yesterday. Um, <laughs> this was asked two years ago, but um, uh, they asked, what are you doing, like, uh, musically? Like, what are you doing, um, like, are you doing a project, something like that? I was asked two years ago, and you said that you were doing writing, you were preparing for a new project, and obviously uh, that project had uh, come out in a, with a tiny house and secret speeches, which came out earlier this year. Um, mm -hmm. What are you doing now? Are you like preparing for like live shows? Are you preparing for another project? Uh, yeah, tell us about that. Um, so right now, um... Uh, it's kind of a mixed bag of a, a bunch of things. Um, trying to do some remixes uh, from other people and trying to get that done as quickly as possible because I've been lagging a lot on that. Um, 
I'm also doing um, I'm kind of revisiting some old four track uh, demos from 20 plus years ago. Yeah, Let's yeah. see what's. I, I saw that uh, you guys released like an archival EP in like 2015, like a four track EP. So I was int- I, di- I didn't know about that until I re looked up your account yesterday just to get some details and whatever. And so I had to listen to it yesterday. It's interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, there's, I know there's a, I have, a, I lost most of my portrait cassettes, so, but I still have a, um, maybe like a handful or less than a handful of cassettes that has some stuff that is quite okay. <laughs> and, um, I've been, been kind of like, kind of like choosing and picking things that sound good and kind of like working on them or redoing them again, instead of just like remixing them again. Yeah. Um, from the four track so that's a that's another thing that i'm working on um and um what else um there's some some mixes that i am doing some kind of like repair work for uh possible future releases that i can say much more about um and i also uh, i also play guitar uh with my my Dear friends um, from a band called Starry Starry Eye Cadet. Uh, they're based in San Francisco, the Bay Area, um, and I've been playing guitar for them as well, and um, mixing and mastering their their work. And that's that's been a lot of fun. It's cool to like do music things that are not like my things. Just, <laughs> just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but still focusing like on music, but just like not specifically your stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's very. Well, I mean, I can relate. You know, school projects. I finish early and then help other people and then do their work. No, <laughs> I'm um, yeah. So, um, who do you, I'm a massive music nerd. Uh, I'm sure you listen to a lot of music daily. Uh, who who have you uh, recently like listened to? Started listening to, and what do you normally just listen to on a daily basis? Okay, so for the for the first question, um, I really haven't been listening to anything new for quite a while i will say maybe like a year maybe a little over a year um with the caveat that um every once in a while i i try to do a a live stream dj mix thing on twitch um and then for that i do have to like go back and listen to things that i like and pick things that i like and try to discover new things that kind of match the the genre or the style or yeah. maybe just the flow of the G- dj mix so that's like that. the only i saw like, uh on your instagram that you're doing a hundred favorite metal songs or something later is that right or on your twitch yeah that is yeah that is that is right and actually thanks for reminding me because i completely forgot <laughs> um but yeah um so yeah what i what i'm doing when i'm trying to prepare a, a twitch dj stream thing um i do try to go back and listen to things and try to discover new things just to like spike it up a little bit just for me yeah. um but other than that i haven't been listening to a lot of new music and a lot of new bands um i know i i know a lot of new bands by name and i know how popular they are and things like that i just haven't had the inclination to actually yeah, yeah, yeah. uh that's the time yeah um and when I'm not listening to um, when I'm not listening to new music, and I just want to like listen for comfort and nostalgia and anything like that, um, yeah. there's really a range of things that I might listen to. Um, things that I might consider class, class personal classics, like shoegaze classics uh, yeah, from yeah. Slowdive. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, a band like uh, bands like Moose and Lush. Um, I often go back to the um, oh god, I'm blanking out the uh, uh, the analog. Uh, no, not the analog. The Analord uh, series by uh, AFX AFX Twin. Oh, um, yeah, 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 I love AFX. That's yeah. Yeah, that that was that's always a very comforting uh, collection of billion tracks, but they're all really good. Um, I do that. Um, may listen to some classical music. May listen to some classic rock. Um, yeah. Been trying to listen to a lot of reggae a lot because I haven't yeah, been yeah. listening to reggae for a while. But yeah, yeah. that's so, yeah. a bunch of other things. So obviously, uh, your music is quite experimental, draws in a lot of different aspects from uh, different genres, as I said, as I named before, uh, intelligence dance music, there's a lot of uh, shoegaze during pop alt-rock in there, uh, and it's just overall quite, and there's ambient, uh, there's techno, you know, it's it's quite a, a broad bunch of uh, genres. Um, so who did you take inspiration from as a younger artist going into music like this? Um, it's kind of, uh, it's, 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 it's a bit of a complicated, um, answer. I'll, I'll try to be as concise as I can. Um, you know, I, when, when I was younger, I grew up listening to, uh, metal, um, a lot of like what was popular metal in the eighties. Um, and, um, even though at the time I was just like, like metal and nothing else, I don't, I don't really like anything else other than metal. Yeah. I think that, um, Somehow, uh, interestingly enough, I think that metal music, metal composition sort of like made me um, appreciate other kinds, types of music uh, oh, yeah, yeah, different, sure. differently. And so like yeah. like with metal, you can kind of like dissect metal in, in many aspects. You know, you have the rhythm, you have bass, you have guitars, you have the composition, yeah. you have lyrics, and then you have like guitar solos and things like yeah, that. Yeah. And you can sort of, like, with those little pieces, you can parallel those little pieces with other pieces of other types of music. And you sort of, like, start synthesizing all these all these things that you're, like, exposing, that I'm exposing myself with, um, along with metal. Like, metal being, like, the template for things and then all this stuff is like, oh, my God, like, this techno lead is, it's it's, you know, it's really cool. And it kind of falls into, yeah. like, the guitar solo lead in some random metal yeah, or like yeah. the drums heavy on this metal song and the drums are so heavy on this like IDM track it's like oh, this yeah, is really yeah. cool see the parallels here um and a lot of a lot of um metal music is kind of based on minor keys as well yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so like that has affected my um my um I guess my musical personality because I do like minor keys. Um, I look, yeah, I do yeah. like that's that comes with it. So, um, I think that for me, you know, once I started branching out from metal and started getting into, um, I will say like, um, things like the cure and, oh, uh, yeah, sonic. Yeah, yeah. So like the, the yeah. classic rock, the more, yeah yeah, 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 exactly. I started seeing parallels and those parallels helped yeah. me, appreciate these all types of music and I just sort of like combine it all because yeah. I just it, it was just like a I don't know like like so many doors being open to me um and yeah I don't, I don't know if that answers the question but <laughs> no, no, that, that's great um so you're obviously a bit of a metalhead right I mean my dad is uh quite the metalhead like um 
I don't know. That's pretty much all he's listened to. I've tried getting him into like he's he's open to listening to other stuff, and he's like fine with this. Like he loves metal, like number one. He loves prog rock, uh, which actually yeah, I, I found a lot of similarities with um. Well, obviously because metal is like a subgenre of rock. I mean, it came out with you know Black Sabbath pretty much innovated the whole thing uh, with their self-titled debut. You know, they actually made that album in twelve hours. Mm -hmm. wow <laughs> yeah that's crazy but, yeah um so uh but i see a lot of also comparisons between like obviously the obvious sounds like prog rock and then prog metal um yeah so have you have you heard of the band pain of salvation no i have not no they are like they're like amazing prog metal prog rock band they're like they know how to mix uh well the lead guy daniel gildlow uh gildenlau uh, they're like obviously a Swedish band. I mean, a lot of the great metal bands come from Sweden and like, you know, the Norwegian areas, um, Scandinavian, sorry. Um, yeah, but yeah, I just, I agree. Like there's a lot of, um, metal itself is also just a subgenre of rock, but you can also see how each, uh, genre kind of just takes stuff from itself. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, like, you know, you see aspect, like, that's why, but that's why you don't, like with a lot of albums you don't just give it one genre you also have its little you know it's got its uh secondary genres right like it has uh little spots of uh i don't know let's take halica for example it's most it's like mostly primarily it's like ambient techno and stuff but you also still have like um early references uh for like shoegaze and uh it's still got that the technicality of some IDM music and it's just uh but yeah I think it's interesting how uh you know I think people can actually after you listen to a lot more music you actually notice that there's a lot of similarities um mm -hmm. same thing with hip-hop right like hip-hop completely I'm a hip-hop head right like I started off as hip-hop I still am I still love hip-hop the most um but uh, I love how it, they just take, they took it from blues uh, and reggae and jazz and uh, a lot of the music that originated with, you know, the African uh, cultures and stuff like that. And they turned it into this dirty, political, hardcore, you know, slamming hip hop, right? And then originally that turned into all its different subgenres, you know, you, now you have stuff like conscious hip hop. Now you have stuff like trap, uh, which also, you know, has that EDM, uh, influence and chill wave. Uh, but enough about me rambling. Um, now, <laughs> now that you're actually a more experienced artist, uh, answer might be the same or whatever, but now that you're a more experienced artist, you're 20 plus years into the game. Uh, who do you now take experience from? uh as a more highly praised and experienced artist oh um yikes um uh really really um no one like no contemporaries that i can that i can think of um and that's not I, i'm not not trying to be um egotistical or whatever e Statistical yeah, yeah. or close-minded or anything yeah, like yeah. that. I just, I just, there's, there's um, no I one think that, that has the sound like you. Like I, I was gonna bring that up as well. Like, no, no one that has the. Obviously, there's people who are doing shoegaze and like, uh, and dream pop, 
mixes, but mm. like the whole, I feel like you take it on to like a different level. Like it's not just like um, like a dream pop. It's like this most lush, eclectic, ethereal dream pop that you'll ever hear. And then it's like, thank you. Yeah. No, um, so you made yeah, the group. You made the group. Yeah, but the thing is, yeah, sorry. Um, no, 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 you go, I, you I was going to say that, um, you know, again, you know, I'm not, I don't, I, I don't have any contemporaries that I can, um, that I can get feedback from. And that's not because I'm not, and not, that's not because I want to be egotistical or close minded or anything like that. I just like, it's more of a time management type of thing where I haven't really like put in the effort to yeah. do the homework to see what's out there, uh, things like that. Um, and at the same, you know, at the same time, I, I, I do wonder, like, um, I think that for the, for the 20 plus years that, I, that I've been, that, you know, that, that I've been doing Sweet Trip, I've always wondered, well, I always had this thing in mind, like shoegaze and dream pop just blends itself oh, so yeah. well. Like you could see that oh, with, so many you, you could see that with, um, or just alt like alt rock like a lot of the genres just managed to work together like shoegaze and dream pop obviously suvlaki other oh, suvlaki slow dive did that with suvlaki uh yeah. and also later on in their career um uh my bloody valentine was starting to do that near the mbv and the eps um mm -hmm. you also see people like fishmans uh you know you know who they are right yeah yeah they i know i know who they are <laughs> Yeah, they were working, they, you know, they were using uh, Dream Pop, but then they were also using, like, dub and reggae, and um, uh, I think alt-rock is, if you can manage to blend some of the genres just perfectly, it just works like magic. You just got to figure out which genres, you know, you really want to, you know, experiment with, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and it's I don't uh, yeah, and also like not only figuring out um, which genres are are gonna work well, but you also have to have a like a personal investment in in those genres to make it work well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't really just like I, 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 this is my personal opinion, but you can't just really like have a light bulb moment and say like I'm gonna mix this with that yeah, and. Yeah. And hope that it's going to work out like yeah. in the like years or so that you that you try to make it work yeah. you, you actually have to have a, a personal investment in the things that you love to blend them together to to be able to blend them together in a way that sounds like yourself yeah, and yeah. that also sounds um not relevant but um cohesive <laughs> yeah yeah no 100 yeah um so throughout the timeline of uh, Sweet Trip, you have released four main studio. Oh yeah, you've released four main studio albums. There's also the the seen and unseen album, but uh, four studio project. Uh, so four studio albums and uh, two like main EPs. I'm sure there are other EPs that are a lot lower, but the the two main ones are Allura and the Outtakes. All right. Um, so all of them receiving uh, critical acclaim and being certified into the Music Nerd Essentials. Uh, I will get into the releases a bit more later, like, uh, just asking a couple of things about the releases, but I want to know what is your personal favorite out of, um, the four albums or if one of the EPs are your favorite? Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think definitely, definitely, uh, a tiny house is my favorite. Um, just because, um, it came out of a period, um, 
I don't know, like not not to get not to get too much into details, but it came out on a period that was period that was really magical uh, for me. Um, really magical, really emotional, uh, and um, you know the whole record is a it's basically a one big long love letter yeah. to, to to someone. Yeah, and you know being. Um, so there's like a lot of layers uh, happening with that record, and that's why I consider it my favorite. You know, one is you know making music again as a sweet trip for the first time in um, uh, many years. Yeah. Um, number two, being able to like be filled with all these emotions and have all these emotions just like pour out yeah. into music, um, and and. Um, and at the end, I think that it's a, I think it's a pretty decent record. Um, so I consider that my, I consider that my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would make sense, obviously. Um, cause when, when asked a lot of people also, uh, do choose their debut and they're like, why? Oh, cause it's my, de it's a, not debut. Sorry. Uh, the most recent record. And they're like, why? <laughs> oh, cause I think it's the best, but obviously I think it's good that you've actually, you actually have a reason. Uh, anyway, um, have you had any, obviously you're a great musician, you're a great producer. Have you had any, uh, professional, uh, musician, uh, musical lessons? Like if you're a younger kid, like, or like someone around my age, around 15 or something, did you have any professional training with like guitar or, uh, actual production work? Um, not, not really. Um, I think when I, when I, when I went to college, uh, yeah, when I went to college, I took a, uh, I took two semesters of electronic music, um, of an electronic music class. Um, and that exposed me to, um, uh, using samplers and, um, analog synthesizers, um, digital synthesizers and effects modules and using a computer for sequencing things. Um, and I did get a lot out of that. Um, but it was just two semesters, and then after that, I just like did it on my own, just mm -hmm. try to save up as much money as I could and get yeah. as much gear as I could. Um, but other than that, no, not really. Um, as far as like guitar um, and bass and things like that, um, you know, back in the nineties, there used to be um, there used to be like guitar magazines that had like yeah. uh, like tabs in the middle, so and you can learn tutorials uh, and stuff like that for like yeah, yeah, guitar. yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I bought a couple, I bought a handful of those magazines just to learn like songs that I liked at the time and, yeah. and, you know, chord shapes and blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's kind of like how I got my, my fingers to do what I wanted them to do. Yeah. Um, and then it's just, just kind of like wing it after that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, okay, I mean, I, uh, I still do professional singing training. Um, I've been doing that for like cool. five, six years. Uh, and I awesome. used to do, I used to do guitar training, as you can see, there's the acoustic guitar. I started off as electric, the electrics are on the living, oh no, the music room. We have like a, it's still, uh, yeah, it's next to the kitchen and the living table. So it's perfect for drums. Um, awesome. uh, so I've been doing, and then, uh, I stopped doing professional guitar training a year ago cause I wanted to focus on my, uh, by production because i'm doing I, i'm trying to like i'm learning a lot of producing tools. like i'm still i would say i'm a good producer uh mm -hmm. and uh, and a fairly good singer um so but also um i think i still want to do guitar but i think in what i want to do 
our guitar is the least important out of the uh, the three main. Like I can also play bass and stuff like that, but um, I mean, there's bass stations. There's like uh, you've got all the and I've got the keyboard there. So I mean, you can just whack on a a song and make it as realistic as possible. But um, mm-hmm. anytime I do do guitar, I normally just plug in my guitar and just do something random. But yeah. Uh, talking about uh, my music, what challenges do you think are there for a modern musician uh, with the introduction, obviously, in 2000, uh, sh- file sharing and um, streaming was became available, Spotify came out uh, a bit later than that, you have YouTube um, and Apple Music. What do you think are the problems with that? Um, with now streaming uh as it now has affected like labels um because i've watched this thing they used to do uh like eighty five fifteen for streaming but the artists get all the profits for live and their mm-hmm. whatever but now because streaming gets you lost uh less record sales right um they have also started to uh try and you know also take uh, money out of their live shows and stuff like that do you think that's a, a real like is that a real problem for young musicians and should they go independent or should they just stick down the traditional route um no i don't i don't really think they should they should go through the uh traditional route at this point um i think that's that traditional route just it just doesn't work um in this day and age i think that um <clears throat> That said, it, it really depends, you know, um, I think that you could probably have the most control out of uh, your own music if you do everything yourself, you self-release uh, everything yourself. Um, the caveat is that you do have to put a lot of work into it. Uh, yeah. You no longer have, you, you know, you no longer have like something that resembles a, a marketing uh, team or a record label. Uh, promoting your stuff so you, yeah. you basically have to do everything yourself if you're like a one person band um that that's quite quite a lot of work yeah, yeah. Uh, i think that um <clears throat> at the same time um you know like the old you know, you know one part of the old model was uh media exposure um and so like media exposure in the 90s and the early 2000s it involved um tv with music videos it involved um, having like ads and some sort of like mention in um, magazines and things like that. And mm. uh, publication at that time was very key to kind of like propelling your music to 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 more people to a higher level. And that really doesn't exist anymore. I mean, you have things like you know back in the early two thousands or whenever Pitchfork. Uh, first started um pitchfork was really relevant and you know a, a good review on pitchfork meant that you could probably sell like a thousand more records uh in that in that month or in that year um and pitchfork doesn't have that impact anymore no, so obviously because it's also a a, a a most people well yeah it's people just see it for the score now a lot of people don't really <laughs> look at the review there's like oh cool it's an 7.5 or something like that um right exactly exactly and then uh, and then going yeah no, go 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 and then also and, and then and because the whole pitchfork 
pitchfork uh, media exposure is just kind of like out of the water and, and and becoming more and more irrelevant in my opinion and and also like a lot of, uh, a lot of people the, the opinion this is also the same opinion of a lot of people that I know um, social media obviously um, has replaced that um, mm. by a very large percentage but that also means that you know you as the artist control your own social media um persona and world and therefore you are the one who are who has to be marketing yourself as yeah. best as you can in in those mediums um and it is quite a lot of work um i'm pretty sure that there are some labels out there that do um that do try to like come up with a different model that can serve as the artist as best as, as they can i know that uh, our label darla does that yeah. um how sorry uh, sorry quick question how long have you been with darla is it since uh, um, nine uh since uh like first release because i know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. cool um yeah and yeah you, you like it, it does take a lot of work to do your homework if you don't want to go if you don't want to do a self-release um album or ep or whatever um and you want to find someone who's going to do the work for you like a record label but that's also going to give you the the best return um balance that that sits well with you um so yeah i mean those, those are just things to consider um you know if you're going to self-release then just yeah. be be you know market yourself and promote yourself yeah, as yeah. best as you can and play a lot of shows <laughs> yeah Oh, uh, I after I end the uh, show, uh, I'd also like to ask you a couple of things about just my music and uh, just ask a couple of things, uh, confirmational things, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. All right, uh, albums, maybe my favorite thing on this earth. Uh, I do love music. Hang on, I'm gonna fix this up. Man. <laughs> it's a bit slanted. Um, so. Your four albums, uh, I all love. My personal favorite is uh, Velocity, Design, and Comfort. I mean, that's also a lot of people's favorites. Um, but I don't know. That was the one that got me into you, obviously, because it's like your highest rated one. It's your highest ranked, um, like, rate your music and, like, uh, album of the year and stuff. Um, so uh, I'm just going to go into all four of the albums and just kind of just get a couple questions. Just, yeah. So, Halika, yep. the debut, a more ambient techno, dream pop, neo psychedelia, uh, a lot different to actually a lot of your uh, your later works. Um, when realizing that this, when you had the original four members, uh, Valerie, who is the other me- the other duo member, uh, Viet Lee, Aaron, and yourself, um, how did it feel going into a debut album with such limited software? Uh, I, I saw this on an interview. You were using an Atari computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, using limited software, uh, using a, an Atari computer and experimenting into genres at such a young start. Um, you know, it was it was, <laughs> was kind of fun. Um, I, I should I should do a, a quick correction. So Aaron uh, didn't join the band until after um, Halika came out. Oh, right, um, right. Still the same year. Yeah, it was uh, oh, it was right, right. me. That's, that's why, yeah, yeah. Gallery. Yeah, because yeah, right, yeah. uh, I, I saw a '98, and a lot of bands like uh, it has like 
Because, okay, okay yeah, no, that, make, that does make sense. Yeah, yeah, no, carry on, carry on. Yeah, no worries. So, so the thing is that, um, so right before Halika, you know, we were writing a lot of stuff, and all stuff was really varied um, in styles and sounds and aesthetics and whatever. Um, <clears throat> and so, like, you know, during that, like, you know, before we became Sweet Trip, we were still a, a trio. It was just me, Valerie, and Viet. Um, and we were trying to be more of a traditional kind of like, I don't know, spacey, psychedelic shoegaze band of some yeah. sort. And we always struggled to find a, a right bass player to to join in, uh, someone with the right groove and the right sound and things yeah. like that. And so, like, we would always get together. We'd practice. Uh, we write songs, we share the songs, blah, 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 and this and that. And after practices, we just go into our own different worlds. And so I would go into my bedroom with my four track and I would just start yeah. recording whatever, whatever, whatever yeah, we're coming yeah. yeah. A lot of us, a lot of the stuff that I was recording, it's, it's like, they're, they're separate. They're, they're like so many genres, but one of those genres was, um, basically the stuff that you hear in Halika. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, <clears throat> And that stuff was really liberating to to do um, because I wasn't thinking of I wasn't really thinking of, of even though it is kind of like a genre in, in itself, kind of like shoegaze with yeah, electronic yeah. drum, you know, ambient techno, whatever you want to call it. Um, I wasn't really thinking about that. I was thinking more of like you know, I want to put an effect, I want to put a distortion pedal on my drum machine and see yeah, what yeah. happens, and then layer things with guitars and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, so like everything else other than the Halika stuff was more um, focused, more of like, okay, maybe we should, maybe I want to write a shoegaze song so we can play a shoegaze song with the band. And then when that was done, I was just record whatever the hell I wanted to um, with drum machines and things like that. And that's the stuff that became Halika. Yeah. Um, and it was really, um, I think I remember I remember this day clearly that I went back to practice some months later, and then I showed I showed Valerie and we had a cassette with um, some of those songs, some of those electronic sounding songs, and they they said like, you know, dude, like, um, you know, forget all the shoegaze stuff, forget all this and all yeah. that. We should just fo focus on these songs, yeah, and it's just like, just... yeah, they're like forget forget looking for a bass player uh, yeah. yet. Yet, who was a drummer, um, yeah. switched to bass, and that's kind of like how I, how that came to be. Yeah. Um, having very limited gear is very liberating, um, and that's something that up to this point um, I still kind of struggle. Well, I, I I still try to pull back from all the stuff that I have, uh, which is basically like plugins and things like that, and just try to like mimic the limitations that I used to have. Uh, 20 years ago and, and it is really it's really liberating <laughs> mm, yeah, this is yeah. like limitations are liberating it's such a paradox <laughs> all right um so uh on to the next album your 2003 album velocity design comfort the one that got me in as i said my favorite out of uh the four main uh, albums um so it's it's a bit of a, a more glitchy uh there's a lot of i would say there's there is that really there is a heavy aspect of like uh, IDM. Uh, there's shoegaze, uh, but you're still experimenting with sounds. 
uh, that uh, not many artists that were not just popular, but any artists at the time were doing. I mean, as I said earlier, I could only pretty much like if I had to cop if I had to compare you anyone like slow dive shoegaze. Um, but I now see a lot of uh, artists like nowadays are uh, trying to not replicate your sound, but definitely taking inspiration off you. Uh, like Grouper, FKA Twigs, and uh, a Korean band that came out with their second album. It's quite a good album, Paranormal. Um, I've seen them experiment with more dreamy and alt-rock sounds like you guys are doing. Uh, but why, out of all the genres, why these genres? Um, we, were, we were being very much exposed to a lot of the genres that you hear in in uh, VDC, um, we you know up to that point we you know like shoegaze and dream pop and um, more more dreamy ambient experimental things like that, and also drum bass rave culture, um, those techno um, break beats and, and all that stuff. That was those those you know all those things were a huge part of our of our lives at that mm. point. Um, you know, we, we would, we would go, you know, we would easily go to a, a shoegaze show then go check out an indie rock band. And then maybe next weekend we'd go to a rave and it was just like rave for hours, yeah. you know? So that was, that was part of like what, that, that was part of our world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that it, it's just sort of like, you know, I, I think that it's just like, implicitly made sense to do to to combine all those genres together yeah. um but at the same time i think that um you know like i was saying earlier that i always thought that shoegaze is such a it, it's such an open-ended um style or genre of music mm. that you can do so much out of it mm. and that's something that we all realize early on or maybe like maybe like after Halika came out, we were just like you know this is like this shoegaze thing. You know, it it, it leads to a lot of other things. Um, mm -hmm. There's so much so many cool things you can do with it, other than yeah. just like other than just playing a straight drum beat with a bass line and just washing everything with reverb. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of these guitar sounds they do sound like synthesizer sounds that you hear in electronic music. Mm -hmm today um yeah even today yeah exactly yeah. um so it was sort of like a it was sort of like a you know we just said it's kind of like making a stew we just say like we have all these ingredients in our in our pantry let's just like put it all in a pot and see what happens <laughs> yeah um so if i'm just correct me if i'm wrong so you introduced a new member with one leaving is that right uh you mean uh, around the preparation for the album in the preparation for the album, um, so Viet, um, Viet had left the band uh, prior to prior prior to recording that, and then Aaron uh, had come in, and uh, Rob came in, right? So Aaron came. So Aaron was still in the band um, after Viet left. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. So he was still in the band after left after Viet left. Yeah. Um, we recorded uh, Velocity Design Comfort. It was just me and Valerie. Yeah. Um, and I think Aaron provided some tablas, um, right, a yeah. tabla beat in, in one of the songs. 
And then after after VDC came out, um, we thought, okay, we, we should try to play shows again. Um, we asked our friend Rob to, to join the band. All right, that does make sense. Um, so last question for the album. Uh, why did you and Valerie decide to take a leap outside of the box instead of trying to perfect the sounds you had previously worked with? Um, well, I think the number one thing, uh, there are two, two reasons. Uh, well, there, there are several reasons. I try to be concise. Number one, I always thought of Halika as a very, as, as a very expensive, uh, demo, uh, release for Sweet Trip. Um, that also was, um, um, that, that, that we got paid for <laughs> basically. Yeah. So, you know, so Halika is basically like a bunch of four track recordings, um, that made it into vinyl and made it into CD. And we were like super happy about that, but that's really what it was. It was just like raw recordings, um, that we were doing two years prior to, uh, to the release of Halika. Um, after Halika, I think that we just like, got older maybe not not to sound pretentious but you know you know as you get older yeah, taste yeah. become a little more sophisticated yeah um you know and that's not that's not a, like a thing you know that's not like a thing that's inherent in people it's just like you know exposure exposure to things in life um so i think our taste became more sophisticated um we um in the same way that we just wanted to explore and experiment and just like go completely nuts and completely out we also had we also had an idea of how much better we could sound like uh, so just like a lack of focus and and, and at the same time uh, a, a, an element of focus of like you know the lack of focus of like okay what are we gonna do we'll do all this crazy stuff things and um, let's see what happens but then the focus is more like but it's more about like we're better now than we were five years ago yeah, yeah. let's let's uh we can mix better we can sing better we can play better you know and yeah it was just yeah and it was just it, it wasn't really a conscious um you know vdc wasn't really a conscious effort to sound the way that it does um but it is it is it is a combination of a lot of influences you know yeah. we, we had the shooting thing um you know around the time that halika came out <clears throat> i always had this idea you know, again like i always had this idea of like shoegaze lending itself to so many more things than just a just a four-piece band and there were there were a few releases around the time of like the late 90s that in a way sort of like confirmed that for me mm. um the first one is uh bjork uh homogenic yeah, yeah. yeah which is not which is not a shoegaze record no, but but she odd poppy, record. yeah, like odd poppy with uh, yeah. IDM production. Yeah. Um, the second one, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the other one was a EP by the Cocteau Twins that was I basically a remix. Twins. Yeah, 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 awesome. It was basically a remix album by uh, a remix of Cocteau Twins songs made by uh, Seafield, and it, that that was really that was really really beautiful um and let's see what else and there's another thing that you know in the late 90s or so <clears throat> i read an article on some british magazine uh where kevin shields from my body valentine was saying that their next record was going to be a combination of uh, loveless with uh drum and bass and jungle and i was like oh that sounds really cool yeah. but then you know but then like i waited two three years and, and nothing happens nothing happened. 
Until I was like, released, oh, fuck it. Until that shit. I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah like, why don't you make it? You know? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that idea. Why not? <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, he didn't release. MBV didn't come up for what? Eight. No. Yeah, 18 years, right? No, 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 no. Longer. Uh, 22 years. Level yeah, 91, like right? Yeah. Think so. Like, and and MVV, MBV wasn't like some. Like, I love my bloody Valentine. Um, I own their vinyls. Um, I absolutely like love my bloody Valentine. Um, mm-hmm. and what I love about their music <coughs> is that it's just I feel like like with a lot of the time there was just like normal shoegaze. But what Kevin Shields was doing at the time with the reverbs and the the guitars, the guitars on that is what like amazing. Like it blows my mind. Like Loveless mm-hmm. is a top five album all time for me easily. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um. But what uh, I wasn't disappointed with MBV when I listened to it. I just was expecting a little bit more to come out of like because um, with you guys, you guys also uh, you guys released uh, "You'll Never Know Why" in two thousand nine, and then twelve years later, you come in or eleven, twelve years later, you come and release uh, your latest record. Um, same thing with like uh, a tribe called Quest. Uh, they released uh, the Love Movement in the year two thousand. Uh, sorry, year nineteen ninety eight. 18 years later, come back with one of the most historical comebacks in, well, musical history. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, the Five Dog uh, had passed away, so they're like, you know, we're just going to release this. We'll end the band here. Um, not group. Um, so I just feel like with uh, MBV, I don't know, I was just, I was expecting something a little more, especially because Kevin Shields is like, or I didn't know about the album that you said, but he was like, Oh, I'm figuring out. I want to do some indie rock uh, mix, whatever. And I was like, oh, that'd sound cool because, I mean, it's Kevin Shields. He could do anything, right? Um, mm, right. But, yeah. The, I think also the EPs, people just think, oh, there's three albums. But you have to realize there's so many EPs that have got so many incredible tracks. Like, you know, there's... Uh, the you'll, you'll Never Realize... You'll, you'll Never Realize Why... EP, then there's the tremolo, um, and people, and obviously they, they've got the main track, but they've also got other tracks within each EP, and it's quite a quite a eclectic group of um, songs, and uh, yeah, that's why I love uh, my bloody Valentine, and I feel like almost they kind of just pass the baton down to you guys after, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I do actually have you pretty high ranked on my list. That's why I was like, uh, you responded to my uh, tweet of me wanting to do a uh, an interview. Um, anyway, enough about me fanboying. Uh, you will never know why the 2009 album. Uh, it's a more acoustic theme uh, with it's still dream pop, um, but why switch it up to a more melancholic, bittersweet indie pop type of sound? Um. Several things. Um, on a on a personal level, um, I was going through um, just a, a dark a dark time, and so I think the theme of the record reflects that. Um, and the, but I think that sa- uh, sound wise, um, the the reason why it sounds more straightforward and more rock, guitar oriented music, um, it's because. Um, I think that uh, maybe like a year, a year and a half, or two years before uh, we started recording and, and, re- and we released that record, I just um, I started playing the guitar a lot, and um, I had recently gotten into um, 
doing uh, modif modifications of like some of my guitar pedals just because I didn't like how they sounded and I wanted to like see if I can make them sound better. And so like I spent a lot of time modifying a lot of pedals and after modifying a lot of pedals, I find myself found myself playing the guitar um, more often um, just to just to test them out to try them out to see what uh, see what they sounded like. And at the same time, I just had this, um, I had this, um, like, I wanted to somehow improve my guitar skills, um, mm. especially my bass, bass guitar playing skills. Yeah. And so I was just like practicing chord progressions and trying to do weird, tricky things with chords and leads and blah, blah, blah. And I was trying to, um, you know, before uh, VDC, I always played the bass with a pick um, yeah. after that. But I've always wanted to like be uh, a better uh, finger player um, right, yeah, with yeah. my hand. Yeah. And so like I was practicing, yeah, I was practicing that a lot. So I was like practicing a lot of guitar, a lot of bass um, from a lot of the, the practices that I did. That I made um, a lot of chord progressions and cool licks and blah 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 came out, and um, and then those those practices became songs. And then those songs um, became what the songs and on the record are, mm. um, and it just sort of made sense to just keep it, keep the songs um, the way that they were just like leading themselves themselves to be, yeah. Um, as opposed to trying to force um, the songs to sound anything like Velocity Design Comfort. Um, you know, believe me, like I tried, I think that I tried with maybe one song or two and I was just thought like, okay, yeah, this is a cool song. Sounds great on guitar. Uh, let's glitch it up. Let's like shoegaze it up. It didn't work. So I was like, I was like, no, this is like, Honestly, let's just this, keep it indie pop, indie rock. Let's just keep it. Yeah. Just leave, let it be the, the way they, they're meant to be. And let's, let's just not be dishonest <laughs> yeah. basically. Um, and that's, that's, oh, now you go. that's how it. And that's that. That's how it happened. And also, like, there's a couple of songs in that record that um, were written either a little before or a little after Velocity Design Comfort. Um, and those songs are were already in my head arranged to be more traditional songs. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense to sort of like go with that theme. Just, just like let it, yeah. just let it be. Let yeah. it be what they are. <clears throat> um. So. We're sounding less joyful and sticking to more melodic roots. Uh, concern for you guys, like, uh, do you reckon there would be uh, worried fans or others would like it because they're they're, mo they're more known to your traditional electronic heavy production? Uh, do you, were you worrying that the album wouldn't wouldn't um, piece together the same way at your other two, as your other two albums, and it would kind of you know, you felt like it might worry your fans to see, you know, be like, oh, I don't really like this. Were you, were you ever worried? Because uh, it was a, a, a pretty pretty big change, actually. Yeah. Um, no, not, well, I, I would say yes and no. Um, no, while we were recording and, and writing and putting it out, once it came out, then we thought, okay, yeah, um, I wonder what people are going to think. At the same time, um, I don't think... I don't think we had a concept of a fan base to worry about things like that at all. We were still pretty, um, pretty small and pretty, pretty underground. Um, so it wasn't, it, it might've been a concern, maybe like a 10, 15% concern. Yeah. Um, 
but that released but yeah. it, it was just like you know we don't have millions of fans so yeah no worries no uh, going on to the last album uh a tiny house and secret speeches uh polar equals uh so the previous uh, i feel like uh it's it's kind of a a uh the reunion of your pre your couple previous albums going back to previous electronic sounds I feel as up it's like a, kind of a bit of a mash of uh, just kind of all your albums just kind of uh, all together. What persuaded you to go with a less experimental, um, but still, uh, well, yeah, what persuaded you to go less experimental, kind of just stick to your original roots and just keep inside of the box that you'd already created? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the number one thing for us is that um, our songs, we, we want to deliver our songs as honestly as possible. Trying to experiment or add or subtract or just destroy for the hell for, for a novelty factor is just completely dishonest. Mm -hmm. uh, we believe that a song sort of like dictates how it wants to sound and you just try to service the song as best as you can. Yeah. And so the song the songs on this record are you know they're they're very bright. Again, this is a yeah. this is the whole the whole thing is a love letter. Yeah. And I think in in uh, in order to convey that emotion and in, in those words and what you know the heart and the soul in those songs to that special someone, yeah. it just had to be. It had to have the right. I think it just had to have have the right balance of lushness. Yeah. And um. And um. I will say like and, and production values, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. for general. Um yeah, there was no, you know, you know, again, like like I said, and when we were recording You Will Never Know Why, there were a couple of songs where we try to like glitchify it and it's just we just realized, you know, this is just not honest, this is not us. Um we learned that lesson then, uh, so that eleven years later, when we started working on this record. Even knowing that, um, you know, even knowing that Velocity Design Comfort was getting a lot of traction and a lot of people liked it, and even though we had in sort of like in the back of our head, we had we had that notion that people may be expecting that record again or something similar to that. Um, we, <clears throat> you know, we honor we decide to always honor the songs first. Um, and after the songs are done and recorded, which is what, you know, you, you guys tell us what you think of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about, uh, actually not talking about, um, we weren't talking about this before. Um, you know, the Velvet Underground and Nico album cover, uh, the Abbey Road album cover, the Paranoid album cover, quite iconic, well-known album covers. Uh, I hope in the future, because this is my favorite album cover I've seen in the last five, probably my favorite since uh, the Kanye, The Life of Pablo one. Um, oh. <laughs> I think, uh, honestly, I love the album cover. Where did you guys shoot it? Like, because it was, it's, it, it's quite a, yeah, where did you guys shoot it? Like the actual album cover. Yeah, cool. I mean, first of all, like, thank you for saying that. I know we've been getting a lot of, we get a lot of heat and <laughs> a lot of heat and hate uh, for the album covers. It's really nice to hear from someone who actually, uh, you know, seems to genuinely um, like it. So thank you. Um, we had this idea. So we had this. So I, 
um, I was watching a, a YouTube, tiny little YouTube documentary about the wicker chair um, and how it appears um, on iconic um, albums from the 60s and the, the 70s, like yeah, especially yeah. like country records and R&B records and funk yeah, records. Yeah. And, and then I showed that video to Valerie and Valerie was like, ooh, that sounds, that's really cool. That's really interesting. We should yeah. do that. And I, said, and I said, okay, well, that means that, <laughs> that means that we also have to like, find someone to take pictures of us yeah. uh to make to make this happen and you know valerie and valerie and i even though we might have an instagram account and we post a lot of pictures in there um we were we were very hesitant about having to like spend hours uh with a photographer to try to get those to try to get those images so we completely scrapped it um yeah. we tried to come up with a different cover uh nothing was working out we went back to that idea again. Uh, Valerie convinced herself that she would go and take the pictures. I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Um, Valerie, Valerie's twin sister um, bought a wicker chair uh, used from someone. She brought it to her apartment. Um, we asked our, our friend Sadie, who is also a photographer, if she could uh, do, the, do the shots. And so we just, we convened for two weekends. We convened into uh, Valerie's twin sister's apartment mm -hmm. and we just like posed, <laughs> we took pictures. And it was really fun. Um, after that, uh, our, the, the Darla, uh, the Darla Records designer, uh, uh, we, we sent them the pictures and we, we gave him the ideas of what we wanted. We want, you know, we said we wanted something lush because it's a very romantic record. So all about love and passion and things like that. And um, and then we also had the idea of, you know, since the title of the, the record was A Tiny House, in, in Secret Speeches, Polar yeah. Equals, um, because there's a lot of hidden messages on the record, um, we thought we thought it would be cool to have some like hidden images um, on the cover itself. So when the, when the vinyl release comes out and, and if people buy it they will be able to see better some of the hidden images in yeah, the yeah. bed of roses and things like that um so that was really i mean that was really the story about that it was basically like deciding to do something not deciding to do it deciding to do it at, um, at the end and trying to go for something lush kind of kitschy um a little retro a little yeah. tongue-in-cheek a little funny um you know, it's not it's 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 a it's a cover that means a lot to us, but at the same time, um, it really it, it is it is such a odd and funny looking cover that I find it really funny that people have so much uh, so much passion passion over it, your negative passion over it. Yeah. So. Um, last question. Um, before we uh, wrap this interview up, if you could call <laughs> on any artist, producer, musician. Uh, to do a project with you, uh, whether that's just a small EP, a single, or an, a whole album, uh, who would be that person? Ooh, wow. Um, I would really love to work with, um, like, if the Kata Twins were still around yeah. and together, I would love to work with them. I would love to work with uh, Seafield. Um, and I would also look, like to work, uh, there are a bunch of like older eighties, like, like, I like, I really like, um, 
80s R&B. So it'll be kind of fun to like, <laughs> if I could like travel back in time into the 80s and do production for like an from a R&B artist from that yeah, yeah. from that decade, always super fun. Um, but I also like um, I like this. Um, I think she's I think she's Swedish or German or Norwegian. I forget someone from there. Her name. Uh, um, I'm gonna be mispronouncing her name, but her name is uh, Anne Anne von Hauswolf. I love um, Anne von Hauswolf. Isn't she like a? Uh, sorry, um, isn't she? Oh, I know. Oh, she. Hang on, I'm pretty sure it's the same person. I'm pretty sure. Hang on, I'm just. Hang on. <laughs> so, uh, really tall, blonde, mysterious-looking. Uh, Singer, songwriter, composer. She's amazing. <laughs> wait, I have forgot how you. Wait, how do you spell her name again? So, um, so I think it's Anne with two N's. Yeah. Uh, no E, and yeah. uh, Von Hauswolf. Um, H A U S W Van House. Maybe two F's. Just do this. I'm just because it might not be the right person I'm thinking of, and I wouldn't want to sound ham. Okay. Hang on. Uh, maybe it's not the same person. Okay. Damn. Alright, then I probably have to check. The I'm pretty sure it's the same person. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, so it's been a pleasure. Well, she's, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, thank you. No, 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 no. That's all right. I was, I was going to say It's a podcast. You could just <laughs> blabber off for hours. Um, yeah, no worries. So I was just going to say that, yeah, that she will be, I, I will... I think it will be really fun to work with someone like like her. Um, her music is really um, kind of like drony and doomy. Um, it sort of has a like a doom metal quality to it to it that I really love. It also has like a church quality that I really yeah. like um, because she she plays the organ, and her songs are just really like um, kind of like witchy. <laughs> They're yeah, so yeah. like oh, yeah, yeah, it is the one. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking of. It's like it is like it's like I don't know, it's like dark wave. It's like it's it is yeah, yeah, yeah. it is oh, kind of like I love I love dead magic. It's like it was one of my fa it was a top 20 I think for 2018 for me. Um so Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. like I was like I'm pretty sure I've had like a high high rated uh album from them and then I just spelt it wrong. It's Anna von Hauswolf and then so yeah. Yeah. Uh Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's been a have a, pl a have a. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, especially for the first one. Uh, being one of my favorite artists. So um, yeah. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thanks for having me.